Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Welcome to Speak Up Talk Radio. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, where each week I share talk worthy topics that seldom see the light of day. As a leader in the patient safety world, I now extend my advocacy to include what many consider to be fringe topics. Topics that affect our health, our lives, our futures, and our sanity. So enjoy the next few minutes as I entice you to join me to become the voice for informed choice. As I pondered what I wanted to share with you today, just at the edge of Christmas, it gently came to me. My brother and his wife, my daughter, her husband, and my little grandson joined Bob and I for dinner last evening, an unusual gathering of people. Family, yes, but not always family that saw eye to eye. As many of you know, my mom passed away, and I had never in my life missed a Christmas with her. But this year, the emptiness of her not being here grabbed me back at Thanksgiving. So this year, just to turn things upside down a bit more than they already are, I arranged to get some of the missing people and missing pieces back together again as a way to improve family relations and selfishly to help me begin to create new traditions without my mom. As I began to make dinner plans, I decided to include my mom by making her spaghetti sauce recipe, which I haven't made in years. I used the very same pot she used to use when my brother and I were kids. I used the sauce ladle she used, a vintage 1950s piece that somehow managed to survive all these years, a tribute to how well things were made back then, and oddly, using her things and making her recipes, using her stained and dog-eared recipe cards, helped me to feel better. And that's how the topic of today's program occurred to me. If I'm feeling these many emotions of grief, sadness, emptiness, I'm sure you may be experiencing some of this too as you prepare to celebrate the holidays, the new year, without a loved one. So as a tribute to my mom on this Christmas without her cheese-stuffed artichokes, butterballs, her exquisitely wrapped presents, and her Christmas sweater and sparkly Christmas tree pin that she dragged out every year, I want to share some thoughts on how we can deal with the death of a loved one, a grief that can be twice as hard during the holidays. Whether it's sudden or as a result of a long illness, the first holiday after the loss of a loved one changes the way a family celebrates a holiday. You may not even feel much like celebrating at all. And while every person deals with death in his or her own way, the holidays are a time when families should come together And that can be a tremendous comfort to the remaining members of the family to have the other loved ones near. 
Each member of your family may be experiencing loss in their own way and missing their spouse, mother, father, or grandparent for their own specific reasons. So here are some thoughts on how to get through this time. Now, holidays after the loss of a spouse could be really difficult for couples who have been together for decades. I mean, losing a spouse can be as heartbreaking as it is life-changing. They often lose their best friend and the person who they've made joint decisions with for a good portion of their lives. In fact, in the United States alone, there are 13.5 million widowed persons and 11 million of them are women. For those who may have been grieving in solitude, the holidays can help them reconnect with their families and friends. And here are a few tips. Number one, there is absolutely no timeline for grief and moving on because every person is different. Two, embrace holiday traditions to remember your spouse or create brand new ones if it's too painful to resume normal family activities. Three, share stories about your spouse with family and friends. Yes, there is an empty place at the holiday table this year, but it once was occupied by a person who meant the world to you. The best way to honor his or her memory is to make sure younger generations of your family learn who they were. They may not be with you physically, but talking about them helps keep the memory of them alive. Well, what about holidays after the loss of a parent? Well, whether you're 18, 48, or 68, the loss of a parent can make adult children feel lost and conflicted. You may be worried about your remaining parent and how he or she is coping with the loss of your spouse. You might throw yourself into projects to avoid facing your grief. And you may struggle with helping your own children deal with their feelings. But there are ways to connect to your family during the holiday and to find some solace and even new meaning after the death of a parent. So here are some tips for adult children who are coping with the loss of a parent during the holidays. If your parents used to host the family dinners at their house, now may be the time to step up and host them at your place. If you have a grieving parent who isn't coping well, starting a new tradition with your house as a home base for family holidays may be helpful for everyone. Secondly, enlist younger members of the family to help make the holiday dinner. This can bring multiple generations together in the kitchen and continue time-honored family traditions and recipes. It can also help ease some of the burden on the adult child and the parent who may feel pressured to put on a happy face for the holidays and shoulder all the responsibilities of holiday preparations. Third, you may find yourself frustrated with your remaining parent or even feeling sad yourself. Well, don't be afraid to ask for help and look to your own significant other, friends, family for support and good cheer. Don't ever feel guilty about enjoying the holidays, even when you've been faced with the loss. Then there's holidays after the loss of a grandparent. Depending how young the littlest members of your family may be, they may not fully grasp the concept of death. While helping them to understand why grandma and grandpa aren't around anymore, it is a sensitive topic, and children will certainly understand that their family members may be sad, even though it is the holidays. So here's a couple of tips for helping children deal with the loss of a grandparent. Give children the chance to talk about their feelings and what they remember and loved most about their grandparent. Secondly, remember kids are still kids and it is the holiday season. Amid the bright holiday lights and the new toys, they may not be grieving, nor should they be. While there is a time to remember loved ones, there is also time to enjoy time with members of the family who are still here and to make happy new memories to last throughout their own lifetime. For sure, coping with the loss of a loved one during the holidays can be difficult. 
And I want to share a few stories from some other people because often just knowing that other people are feeling as you do, it helps ease the pain. Here's a story that gave me some goosebumps. This woman writes, our first holiday came seven months after our teenage son was killed. At the time, I worked with bereaved families at the University of Rochester Medical Center, and when asked how to handle the holidays, I recommended that they follow their usual routine. Well, sadly, I got the opportunity to follow my own advice. The first Christmas was tough. Opening presents, seeing Scott's ornament on the tree, and hanging his Christmas stocking were not easy. Like other families, we went through the motions, crying all the way. No jingle bells or ho-ho-hos that first year. The second year, we again went through the motions. And the third year, we packed up and went to Hawaii. The fourth year, we began to recover our holiday joy. And with the passage of time, I am once again looking forward to celebrating with as much zeal we had prior to Scott's death. Well, now we had a very strange thing happen last year. For years, we made a ritual of hanging an ornament on our tree that was made by our son when he was a little boy. Scott had carefully written his name on the bulb and then finished it with glitter. Last year, my husband and I were relaxing on the sofa when we heard a loud pop. We both jumped up to see what had happened, and on the floor, several feet from the tree, we found Scott's ornament broken beyond repair. In a tree filled with ornaments, we wondered why that particular ornament would literally jump from the tree. Coincidence? or a message saying, Hey, Mom and Dad, time to drop the ritual as you don't need an ornament to remember me. I'm around and wishing you a popping good Christmas. <laughs> I love that story because I always keep myself open to signs. And I always wonder, can those on the other side really communicate that way? Well, I don't know, but it's kind of comforting to think so. Well, now here's a situation I don't know about firsthand, but from what I've heard and read about, when you lose someone to suicide, everything can feel differently. However you choose to spend the holidays after losing someone to suicide, it's important to realize there is no wrong way to grieve. So to get some insight from people who've been there, I checked in with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's community, where they have asked people to share their message or a piece of advice that they would tell someone who's spending the holidays without their loved ones. And here's a few things from what they had to say. Jennifer D. said, We skipped Christmas last year, and it was amazing. If you really think about it, it's just another day. Not any sadder than the day before or the day after. Ronnie W. wrote, Just breathe. If you need to excuse yourself and have a few moments alone, then do it. I like to talk about my brother a lot during a holiday. I like to think about what he would be doing if he were here. It works well for me, but may not work for someone else. Do what feels right to you. Candace B. wrote, as a suicide loss survivor, I have opened my eyes to life. Enjoy life and love, love, love. Susan K. wrote, I lost my brother December 20th, so the holidays are especially sensitive for me. If you have young children, as I did at the time of my loss, don't be afraid to let them see you cry. It gives them permission to cry too, and those tears carry so much healing. Christine S. said, do one small or big meaningful thing to honor them. Think of something that was unique to them and figure out a way to honor that. Sometimes it is something big, like going to an amusement park and screaming your head off on a roller coaster because that's what they loved. Sometimes it's reading a book they loved. It could be making a Christmas ornament or purchasing one that reminds you of them. Go big, go small, 
but go do it. Sally R. wrote, if you are spiritual and attend church, keep going and ask for any resources there that can help you. Lean on safe people during this time and accept help from others. Try to find a good grief counselor. Don't be afraid to cry. Cry as much as you need. And Barbara A. said, a friend suggested getting a candle. Place the candle where it can be seen from almost anywhere in the living room or the family room. Find something with a scent that you love. Light it first thing in the morning and let it burn all day. The scent will permeate the house and you will catch the glimmer throughout the day, even if it's only from the corner of your eye. My son died six weeks before Christmas in 2001. That candle was the symbol of his presence for both myself and my family. There he was in his scent and in his light. Here's another one. It's titled, How I Honor the Memories of My Dad During the Holidays by Zacchees Baker. He writes, as the holiday season sets in, I'm reminded of so many special memories of my father. I'm reminded of his love of family, sense of duty to serve, and that smile on his face when he'd take the first bite of lemon meringue pie. Since his death, I've found ways to honor those memories and celebrate his life at the holidays and all year round. We choose to cook and eat meals we know he would love. That lemon meringue pie, it's not my favorite by any means. Actually, no one in my family loves it. But every so often, you'll catch our family all in the kitchen, rolling out pie dough and whipping up the most beautiful meringue peaks. As we sit down to eat my dad's favorite dessert, I let the sugary tartness of it touch my taste buds. I try a little more each time to convince myself that I love it as much as he did. Even though it's still not my favorite, I appreciate every bite. And if only for a moment, it feels like I'm once again sitting across from him at the dinner table. Well, now here's another interesting thought. Alan Wolfelt wrote, When a death is sudden and unexpected, it's that much more difficult. Immediately after the death, those affected by traumatic loss typically exhibit psychic numbing. They're present physically, but not necessarily mentally or emotionally. In other words, they're in shock. This protective mechanism is nature's way of protecting them from experiencing the full force of the loss all at once. Well, now, if this happens, it also means that you haven't been able to fully absorb the funeral. The normal and necessary shock may have buffered you from both the horrible reality of the death and the funeral's healing functions. Those customs, the eulogy, the music, the readings, the reception, all of the ceremonial elements help us to transition from life before to life after the death. And what's more, the funeral structure holds up when we might otherwise collapse. It gives us a meaningful process to step through, tasks to accomplish, rights to follow, places to go, and people to support us. Funerals are not really rites of closure, but rather initiation. Regardless, perhaps you might consider that sometimes one funeral, no matter how personalized and meaningful to family and friends, is simply not enough. There is an importance to additional ceremonies. The funeral has long passed. What can we do now? Ceremonies that help us acknowledge the reality of death, remember the person who died and provide a time of social support. I usually recommend that families affected by traumatic death hold three ceremonies spaced out over a period of two years. If more than two years have already elapsed, that's okay. Additional ceremonies will still help. I invite you to consider having a second ceremony about six to eight months after the death. If more time than that has already gone by, simply hold the second ceremony soon. For the second ceremony, I often recommend a simple candle lighting ceremony in your home. 
Invite close friends and family to gather around a table on which you've placed photos and memorabilia of the person who died. You might begin your ceremony with a piece of music or read one or two short prayers or poems. Each guest can hold a small candle and light it as he or she shares a memory or thought. There are no set rules. Your ceremony can be religious or secular in keeping with your beliefs. Then he says the third ceremony is often best held somewhere between 18 and 24 months after the death or, if more time has already elapsed, about a year after the second ceremony. I often recommend a gathering at the gravesite or a place of permanent memorialization. I hope you will try having one, two, or even more additional ceremonies in honor of your loved one who died. And here's another, the first year of life without my father. Today on the 3rd of December, he writes, it is amazingly already a year since I lost my father last year. What an incredibly difficult and yet life-changing year it has been. Every day since the night he passed away, I have relived the moment at 1.10 in the morning when I received the dreaded phone call from my mother saying that my father had collapsed and the paramedics were trying to resuscitate him. She said I should drive home in the morning and come visit my father in the hospital. After all, she said he was going to be okay once they put him in the ambulance and he would be in good hands. However, I knew with a sinking certainty that it was not to be. I quickly began to throw a few clothes in the bag, lit an incense stick and a candle and prepared for the 95 mile drive to my parents' home and soon to be just my mother's home. A few minutes later, the lit candle suddenly blew itself out for no reason and I knew in my heart that our father had left us. Almost immediately, the phone rang again and it was my mother, hysterically crying and confirming what I somehow already knew. My father had at least gone peacefully and died in his own bed, surrounded by his favorite books and scriptures and in the presence of my mother, eldest brother and sister-in-law, the three people who had been around him the most for so many years. My mother and he had been together for almost 54 years. The following few hours and indeed days are a haze and I probably blanked out most of that time as some kind of protective shield. In fact, I remember very little of the following three months as I got into my usual autopilot mode, blanking out all else and focusing on the practical things, getting the funeral organized, sorting out the estate and seemingly endless stream of other matters to resolve. No matter what needed doing, I was there and I seemed to thrive on being the rock for my mother, siblings and nephews. Actually, I suddenly felt grown up. It was as if I was now fully responsible for my mother and the household. My eulogy speech at the funeral, pressing the furnace switch at the crematorium, meeting hundreds of relatives and friends before and after, all that is just a blurry haze amidst the driving rain on the cold and dark wintry morning of the funeral. The silent types like me probably suffer more and for a longer time. So many times during the funeral and the 12 days of the grieving period, I wished I could just bawl my head off like almost everyone else around me, but I guess we all heal in our own individual ways. Over the next few weeks, I went into auto mode and just got on with doing things. Christmas and New Year's came and went. There were no tears, but a terrible numbness, which no sleep nor rest could break through. I know that even now there is still a lot of grieving to be done, and maybe one day it will all hit me. To help us somehow understand and accept the death of a loved one, here is a wonderful quote that I love. For what is death but to stand naked in the wind and to melt into the sun? 
And what is it to cease breathing, but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And when you have reached the mountaintop, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. A lot has happened, and yet it seems so empty without my father. I terribly miss talking to him on the phone and visiting him and watching television with him. I am now simply grateful for having had a father, for what he did for us and for what we had and still have. It breaks my heart to know that so many people in the world have not even had any of that. We never really truly appreciated what my father stood for, nor what he had done for us. Going through his ancient files and learning how he had worked so hard so that we could all have a better life than his generation did was quite a humbling experience. I now lament that if only we could have shown our appreciation in his lifetime. So during this holiday time, it is my request that you go and spend some valuable time with your loved ones. Do contact your family and friends. Visit, call, email, text them, whatever works for you. Just do something. And finally, for this festive period of time and for all time, I would like to leave you with my favorite quote about love. The love you fail to share today is the only pain you live with right now in your life. Wow, how true. The love you fail to share boils down to compassion, doesn't it? It's one of the most important things in our world, and yet I think we understand and apply it so little. Compassion is about putting yourself in the shoes of another person and seeing the world from their perspective. It's about feeling their pain and empowering them to be their best. It's really wonderful how human beings have this amazing capacity to be compassionate. Typically, after a few days after the passing away of a loved one, families feel incredibly close to each other as they grieve the mutual loss and perhaps also appreciate for the first time their own mortality. But the mystery, however, is why such compassion and closeness cannot be sustained. Are we scared to show our own vulnerability? If so, maybe it's time to be human and allow ourselves to be vulnerable. The other thing about compassion at such times is why we don't appreciate people and their positive points while they're still alive. How can we carry out acts of kindness and compassion during normal times and not just during a catastrophe or when someone passes away? To highlight my point, here's a story. It reminds me of the old adage that you can get everything you want in your life by helping others get what they want. Some time ago at the Seattle Olympics, nine athletes, all mentally or physically challenged, were standing on the starting line for the 100-meter race. The gun had fired and the race began. Not everyone was running, but everyone wanted to participate and win. They ran in threes. A boy tripped and fell, did a few somersaults, and started to cry. The other eight heard him crying. They slowed down and looked behind them. They stopped and came back. All of them. A girl with Down syndrome sat down next to him, hugged him, and asked, Feeling better now? Then all nine walked shoulder to shoulder to the finish line. The whole crowd stood up and applauded, and the applause lasted a very long time. People who witnessed this still talk about it. Why? Because deep down inside us, we all know that the most important thing in life is much more than winning for ourselves. The most important thing in life is to help others to win, even if that means slowing down and changing our own race. So my question is this, who can you help today? So many times we all hide our true human feelings and we do not allow ourselves to be vulnerable and compassionate to light up the lives of others. 
So with today's conversation in mind, I ask, what will you do today to be more compassionate? What kind of a legacy do you want to leave with the world? What will you do to bring more love and compassion into the world? Well, I hope you find some comfort and peace as you remember and hold dear to your heart the memories of those who are no longer with you this holiday season. Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. And Merry Christmas, Mom. I'm heading to the kitchen to whip up a batch of your favorite mincemeat Christmas cookies that you taught me how to make. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up Radio. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Well, with that, we are getting ready to head out of here. Time is almost up, my friends. But be sure to come back next week. Same time, same place, but you know me. Never the same information. That's it. I'll see you again next week. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice. Cold weather is back here in Northeast Ohio. Is your furnace ready for a workout? Mine is, because it's been checked by the team at BNK Heating and Cooling. Last winter, our system decided to die, and with one quick phone call, BNK was at the back door, ready to heat things up. So before that happens to you, schedule an appointment with their licensed, bonded, and fully insured professional experts. It's just $69.95, and well worth it. Stay cozy this winter. Call Bill at 216-210-2529. That is 216-210-2529. Or visit them at bnkheating.com and tell him I sent you.